Hey everybody, just stepping in with a little mea culpa. This is a little bit hard to hear because I forgot to change the settings on my mic to be omnidirectional. Thankfully, she's naturally a pretty loud person, and I have a bad habit of repeating a lot of the things that she says, so it's, uh, it's okay. Um, if you have trouble with it, uh, like Bruce Hornsby said, that's just the way it is. Let's get on with the show. You are entering a space of thoughts and jokes, of echoes and analysis, a stopover from sense, a sojourn from sincerity, the cross section between entertainment and bewilderment, a limitless void of laughter and curses from which few escape. You've just crossed the border into the spooky spot. Listen, I lay down some hard truths in this podcast. Truly. Welcome to my TED Talk. The spooky spot, welcome to my TED Talk. Yeah, exactly. What's that, like, blog header that's like, welcome to my twisted mind, or whatever? (laughs) That's exactly what it is. Oh, is that what it is? That, you know, emo 2006 grunge. (gasps) Welcome to my TED Talk is basically that. No, it's, it's, uh, no. No. You, you sure? Yeah, because Welcome to My Twisted Mind is just, it's on a whole other level of ridiculous. And Welcome to My TED Talk, we know, was a joke. Okay. People would say, who used to say, maybe still say, God forbid, if there's still those twisted souls. Welcome to My Twisted Mind. That, that wasn't a joke. Okay. They took themselves seriously. They, they did take themselves very seriously. Very you are, seriously. You are correct. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Listen. God. Welcome to my emo 2006 TED Talk. Welcome to my twisted TED Talk. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what mine is. Oh, boy. Wow. All right, let's start this show. Welcome to our twisted TED Talk, the spooky spot. Our twisted spooky spot. Our twisted spooky spot. Uh, my name is Jess. I'm Liz. And on this podcast, we talk about anthology shows, talking specifically for the next mm, future. I'm thinking about way in the future of how long it's going to take us to talk about the Twilight Zone. We're talking about the Twilight Zone in the first leg of this show. (laughs) And we're going to stick those leggies way out. (laughs) Those show leggies. (laughs) Oh, I remember something I wanted to tell you. So from a... For once. (laughs) For Fucking once. I forgot like 12 things I wanted to tell you today, but I remembered one. From a few episodes back, you were talking about that (laughs) mortgage. Yeah, did you hear that That mortgage commercial. I heard it on the way home one day and I was like, oh, he's the fucking worst. Like, oh, you don't know how to do your mortgage or spell. Work on your spelling. Yeah. God, he's the worst. It's not the same guy as the What a Concept Man, though. No. It just, they just sound very similar because they both got those radio voices. That condescending man radio voice. That feel when condescending, man. <laughs> Every day. Okay, I avoid them at all costs. I see three guys on the daily, mm-hmm. and I, I don't talk, I, I'll talk to one and a half of them willingly. <laughs> I see one on the daily, maybe sometimes some more. The one on the daily, though. So our big printer in our office jammed today. Sounds like the daily double. The big printer in our office jammed today, and it... The display screen shows you where the jam is so you can, like, get it and fix it and it'll continue printing. And so I got up to get something that was printing until it jammed. 
And I'm like, oh man, where is it? And then guy in my office who I've been there longer than, he like comes whipping around the corner to like come fix this for me. And he's like, oh, it's back here. And I'm like... Give me a second. Listeners can't see my face, but I'm, you know, what? Leave me alone. Yeah, sometimes, because, you know, I pick stuff up and I put some down, and that's my job. If it's something heavy, one of the guys will come over, and I'm like, go away. Just go away. We've been doing this the same amount of time. Go away. Go away. Like, I appreciate it, because you're nice, but go away. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, like, standing by the side of the printer, ready to, like, open the door to fix it, and... He's, like, whipping stuff out of the way, and I just... Let me back there! Basically, yeah, I just took, like, three steps back and was like, okay, you're small and you got something to prove. You can fix the printer, I guess. Yeah, I still need to get a picture of that guy I work with for you so you can tell you how small he is. <laughs> little babies in the office. Just, you know, little office babies. <laughs> Everybody I work with is a little office baby. Yeah? Yeah. There's one other tall woman. <laughs> If she and I stand up at the same time, we can both see over the cubicles and we'll both go like, hey. <laughs> so we're the only ones who can. So anyway, today on the Twilight Zone. The cubicle zone. Oh, no. <laughs> Ooh. Guess who lives in the Twilight Zone? Oh, no. Guess what every cubicle is. Oh, no. Sorry to shake you, your whole foundation. <laughs> yep, Okay. <laughs> on the twilight zone that isn't my cubicle uh we watched episode seven the lonely lucky number seven yeah lucky number lonely so we open on some uh very brightly lit salt flats this episode was filmed on location in death valley i learned there were like four episodes that got filmed in death valley and this was one of them yeah so it's not the rock quarry we're well, yeah, it's way too big to be the rock quarry. Uh, yeah, true. The rock quarry was very small. Yeah. And uh, as we're panning around over the salt flats and whatnot, the narration says, Hey, check out this dungeon. There's, uh, there's a guy here. Yeah, he's special. <laughs> yeah. This dungeon has one occupant. And we see off in the far distance a metal shed with an old car sitting out in front of it. And then we see there's a man sitting in the car who gives the, the horn a hearty honk. His name is James A. Corey. Uh, he is a convicted criminal, and he's out here in solitary confinement. He out here solitary. <laughs> and out here is an asteroid nine million miles from Earth, <laughs> which is farther away than the moon, but not as far away as Mars. You know, just for some cosmic scale. Listen, he was just throwing out a number. Yeah. <laughs> well... It's funny, actually, I guess a couple of years ago they found some asteroids nine million miles from Earth. Well, Rod, if anyone would predict the future, it's Rod Sterling. A little bit, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, none of them were big enough to sustain an atmosphere that we could put criminals out there, but, you know. I just, I think about, like, how many asteroids was Rod thinking were out there? Because there would be so many criminals. Well, and he was the only one on that one. At the end, they say they got seven other men in the ship, so there's at least eight. There's at least eight asteroids. Eight too many. <laughs> eight too many asteroids? Listen, I don't Listen. I don't want to shock you. <laughs> but there's a lot of asteroids in space. There's lots, though. There's just a lot of crap out there. And sometimes there's a criminal on it. Listen, don't make me mention Star Wars. You just get mad. <laughs> Listen, I want to tell you about a very good book called The Little Prince. Where a small boy lives on an asteroid. 
until he decides not to anymore. Listen, I've never read that, but I know everyone is hyped for it. Listen, it's very good. I've heard that. It's very good. And almost everyone I know who reads is I, like, hey, read The Little Prince. I have it. Do you want to read it? I could. I've been meaning to. It's very short. You yeah, can I'm read it. Good. Yeah. It's a little big I book. Th- I don't think anyone except all our listeners know now that I've never read that before. You just kind of expect people to have read it. I, I, I don't know. Since it's like a kid's book, I don't know what people have... Yeah, I, I didn't read like any but, kid's books. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a kid's book and also was written by a French man, so it's like... Did you read it as a kid or was it like in school, though? My mom read it to me, yeah. Oh, uh, well, there you go. So, you know... <laughs> my mom did that. Yeah. I saw her attempt to try to read us hooligans once and she was like, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> There were many more of you than there was of me. We had three in a room at that point, and that was just one room. That happens. <laughs> God. She would just throw books at us. She was like, you can read it. Just... It helped that we all like to read. Yeah. But yeah, no, she never was... She didn't have to sit down with her only kid and read a bedtime story. That's what my mother did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shout out to my mom, who I know listens to this. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey. <laughs> She loves Little Prince very much. Yeah, I've only heard good things. I will get it for you. You can read it tonight on your night off. I could, yes. All right. This man, James what, A. Corey, though. What were we even talking about to get some? Oh, me. Living, living on an asteroid. <laughs> this bitch, he ain't no Little Prince. No. He is famous, though, like the actor guy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember what his name is, but. Martin? Martin Wayne? Maybe I'm just making that up. Maybe somebody else is named Wayne in That's this. That does sound fake. Oh, no, we're totally wrong. His name is Jack Warden. There we go. I knew there was a W up in there. Yeah, I've known, I think another person we looked up in the show, because Jack Warden's in 12 Angry Men, and I'm pretty sure some other guy already in this show has also been in 12 Angry Men. I think (laughs) it was the agent from the Barber episode. I think he was also there. Yeah, because he also looked familiar to me. Yeah. Well, he was also in a bunch of stuff, too. But uh, this guy, Jack, he's got very, uh, person face. Does that make sense? Yes. My he's brain's fired at all pissing snipe. He's recognizable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, he sure is. Shit, man, he sure is. <laughs> so he's out there on this asteroid because he's a criminal. Yeah. He's out here in space, Australia. Because he's a criminal. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, shit. That's true. That's very true. Yeah. Australia was originally just criminals. Yeah. Well, I mean, the oh, aboriginal yeah. people were there, and then there were criminals what as well. What? The judge who had to sentence these guys to space, and imagine you being it, because you, you would love that job. Yeah. It's like, no, you're guilty. Go to space. Go to space. I sentence you to space. You'd be the space I can't believe I have to go to law school and become the space judge. This takes place in 2046. I could become the space judge is uh-huh. the thing. Uh-huh. It's very possible uh-huh. for me. Uh-huh. 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 Ladies and gentlemen, I regret to announce I'm uh, ending this podcast. I'm stepping down from the spooky spot. <laughs> I, I have to go to law school. <laughs> and write a bunch of my own laws about space and criminals. 100%. Yeah, I, I just thought of that. It was like, you know, it, I don't know if it'd be glee on your face, but yeah, go to, go to space. <laughs> go to space. 
We, we hate you that much. Go to space. I mean, I would also want to go to space, but... You can't go to space. I can't go to space? The space judge can't go to space? No. It's for criminals. But it's for gays. <laughs> the moon's for gays! <laughs> the moon is in space! Yeah, you didn't specify. You want to just be floating around everywhere? You need to land somewhere. <laughs> I'm in charge of all the asteroids out in space. Oh, okay. Well, okay. you can't go to the asteroids. Okay. I'm fine with that. What is the moon, technically? It's a satellite. I don't know if asteroids count as satellites. I think if they're actively orbiting a body, they count as satellites. But... Yeah. And we don't know if these ones are. I mean... Uh, well, they have to be orbiting, because they... They orbit something. Yeah, because how else would we get there every time? <laughs> That's I... what I thought of, but I'm like, these asteroids sure are sticking around. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they either orbit the Earth and the Sun, because yeah. that's how it works. Orbit works. <laughs> or they just orbit the Sun, and they're too far away from the Earth to be in Earth orbit. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not entirely certain. Um, it might be they probably orbit the Sun, because then that when whenever they mention that they would get too far apart, and they can only go to the asteroids at certain times. around the Sun, yeah. If they orbited Earth, we could just fucking go there whenever the exactly. hell, because we know where they are. But if it's if they're orbiting the sun on their own, then that's you have to coordinate that. Would you know? They totally knew how to back then. They totally knew how to, and that guy knew how to deliver those lines he about totally it. Totally didn't hesitate at all. Let's tell the listeners about that line. <laughs> Let's move on, and we'll get to that line. Let's move further into the episode than five minutes. Uh, Corey's writing in his journal about how he's been here about four and a half years, and he's real sweaty. He he's not writing about that. He doesn't write that in the journal, but he's real sweaty. You can see him while he's writing. When I, the first time I watched this, yeah, when you first see him, he's real sweaty. And then like, another time, I think when they pick him up, there's no sweat on this man. And I'm like, pick one. <laughs> yeah, well, I think IRL in the shooting, everyone's... Like, they wanted them to be sweaty, yeah. but it's so dry in Death Valley, their sweat kind of kept evaporating, so that was, like, glycerin that they put on people. Why did they, if it's supposed to be an asteroid, why do they want them to be sweaty? <laughs> you know, they gotta be sweaty. There's so many things. I, I get the time period and Rod, you know, not being fucking from NASA, but, like... They don't have to be sweaty, Rod. They're wearing, like, motorcycle helmets on this spaceship. Yeah. There's no, like, space suit. They have a jumpsuit and a motorcycle helmet. And They're like old football helmets, even. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, silver. <laughs> silver silver spray-painted football helmets. And there's no visor. No. Um, and it's like... And he has a basin of water. Where does he get that? They bring him some water, presumably. A three-month supply of water? Yeah, you could do uh, that. I guess. And then, you know, you run out and you're fucking dead. They, yeah, it's like we open on the shot of being like, yeah, he's in space on an asteroid, but kind of looks like the desert, and look, he's hot, too. It's like, he, don't, he doesn't have to be hot. Maybe. <laughs> it could be cold in the desert. It is cold in the desert. That's <laughs> cold in the desert, I'm sure. Well, it does, yeah, 100%. Right, yeah. It just does. So this is our sweatiest protagonist yet, is what we're trying to get at. And uh, I guess if you want to call him that, is that you just gonna notice those all the time now? Like, I, oh man, this man—he's so much sweatier than Corey. Listen, we have a very HD TV, yeah, where we can see can't everybody's sweatiness. All their weird makeup. 
which thankfully no one really had this episode. No one had a makeup problem. We did it good this time. Yeah. Everybody was sweaty for narrative reasons. Ew. <laughs> uh, so Corey's inner monologue is talking about how he's expecting a supply ship to come by and they're either due or overdue. And he hopes it's uh, Allenby, Captain Allenby, because uh, he brings him nice stuff. Like, all the parts for an antique car that Corey can spend a year building and then just sit in and honk the horn. And, you know, get a little joy out of that. Yeah. And he opens the window to look out at the car, which I would imagine you wouldn't want to open the window because that just lets all the hot air in. But he does just live in a metal shack, so maybe it's just... Isn't his front door, like, always open, too? Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't care. He doesn't... Okay, fine. He's He's an idiot. He's an idiot. I want to talk about one thing inside his house, and that is, like, the weird perforated sheets of metal (laughs) that indicate that this takes place in the future. Uh Uh-huh. Because that's, like, a 1950s future accent. Uh Uh-huh. And I love it very much. (laughs) So he talks about how much he, you know, loves that car, because he knows that that's real, and what he needs is, you know, things that are real, because he can't even believe in his own existence, having been on this asteroid for four and a half years. And then he falls asleep at some point, and the we see a miniature rocket landing off in the distance. Well, it's a real-life rocket for all intents and purposes, but... <laughs> but it's tiny, and it's fake, and it's adorable. Practical effects, it's a rocket landing. It's adorable. Smallly. It wakes up Corey, and he's cheering, hooping, and hollering. He puts all his stuff away, and, and he gets out a deck of cards and a chess set that he made, which is made out of fucking washers and bolts. Which, I don't know how you would tell those different pieces apart, because it's just washers and bolts. It's, it's checkers. It, it, yeah, it's fucking checkered. Later on, they're moving them diagonally and whatnot, so it's intended to be chess, but since it's fucking checkers. Because it's just washers. Yeah, when he first mentioned a chess set, and I saw it, and I was like, oh, cool, he, like, got some funky-shaped rocks. Nope. Why didn't he get no funky-shaped rocks? You could have hit some, carved them. Yeah, you could have carved them. That could have taken up a good deal of time. Mm-hmm. He's got some washers and some screws. Dumbass. And so he's all excited. He's running out, yelling for Allenby, and we see off in the distance three figures there as Allenby and his two crewmen. One, one who gets lines and one who doesn't. So. No, they both got lines. Really? I thought only Adams talked. I'm pretty sure when they're going back to the ship, the other one gets a line. Okay. Because neither one is like, hey, what's in the thing? I can't tell them apart when their helmets are on. Oh, that's true. They are just blonde and brunette. One of them has dark hair and one of them has light hair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Adams has light hair and he's a big bitch. <laughs> all, all you gotta know about him. True. He's just like needlessly rude. True. When they're walking in, this scene right now, they're talking about, there's, and I'm pretty sure it's brunette who's like, I don't think this seems like kids. No, that's the blonde hair one. That's Adams. Yeah. Alan B is a polite enough man who's like, hey, Corey, what's up? But... This dude we've been talking about, Adams, he's like, mm, hey, this place sucks, and I hate coming here. I hate this. Because I'm in a spaceship eight months out of the year, and my kids don't recognize me when I go home. And Corey's like, well, you don't have to live here. And he's like, yeah, but I have to come here. Uh, it's my job to get paid to come here, and I gotta bitch about it. And so Adams is like, yeah, this is, you know, great, nice, simple living out here in the desert. Kick up a bunch of dust. And Alan B just, like, lets him talk shit for, like, five minutes and not say, like, Shut the fuck up. Which I would do were I a commander. And so LMB says, alright, we got 15 minutes and then we have to leave because if we stay longer than 15 minutes then we're not in a opportune spot to make it back to Earth because these 
asteroids or orbit the sun, but he doesn't say that any of this like confidently. No, nope. he's like the actors the, are like the orbital position. Our, our orbital position. We'll lose it. Well, it's gone. It's okay. it's fine. It, I. I don't know how space works, because I live in 1959. <laughs> but um, this whole time, Corey's like, we're only 15 minutes, because he's thirsty for attention. Yeah, it's like, dude, you're in fucking solitary. There's dudes in actual solitary who see less human interaction. And I want to know how long Alan B. was there the last time, if they got to play cards and shit, and, you know, just chat each other up. Maybe he tries to do this every time, and they're always like... No, because he said, uh... Alan B's like, no, not this time, Corey. What if he says not this time every time? At one point, Alan B sat and talked shop and probably played some cards. Maybe. But yeah, I just, whenever Corey's like, oh my god, I only see people every three months, it's like, you still see people. (laughs) It's true. They could just leave a crate in the wasteland and say, fuck you later. Yeah. But Corey's like, yeah, we can play cards. I got some beer saved up. This man has beer. It's not that bad. He's not, like, he ain't living that bad. No. He he doesn't get to talk to people. Which, since episode one, has been (laughs) man's worst nightmare. Man's worst nightmare is not being able to talk to somebody. Is this not just the guy in the box? (laughs) This is, after they sent him to the moon, he came back, he committed a murder. (laughs) And then they sent him to an asteroid. Shit. Oh no, it turns out the Twilight Zone has an overarching plot. <laughs> it's this one man's horrible life. Yeah. Oh, Christ. Crack that code, Rod. We're on to you, Rod. <laughs> anyway, I'd love to live in a metal shack with some beer out in the desert. Like, that's what that's what I'm trying to say. Honestly. He gets books, he's got records. Yeah, he's got books, he's got records. He's got cards. He knows people are coming to see him every three months. Mm-hmm. He knows. He, he could take apart that car, put it back together, build something else with the car parts. I would ask for some succulents. Like, <laughs> yeah, you could you could have fun out in the desert shack by yourself for forty six years. That's true. You just need one succulent, and you can get a shit ton. Someone time someone sees you again. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, you can do a lot out there. He's just writing his fucking diary. Yeah. Dear diary, mood apathetic. We're going full emo this episode. <laughs> Drinking the air. <laughs> Eating my emotions. <laughs> Listening to the whistle of the wind through the weird aesthetic holes in the sheet metal. It's the future. It's the future. Alright. So they get back to the house and they got the crates. They're putting them down and Adams is like, Oh, he's been talking all this time. He's so eager to hang out, but he hasn't asked about that pardon. Hey. And so Corey's like, what? A pardon? And then Adams is like, psych, you got 50 years still, bitch! I love it, okay. He's, this actor's having such a good time just being an asshole. Yeah, true, same. And so Allenby gives him kind of a, you know, we don't make the rules. We're just, you know, trying to make your life better. We just give you supplies and tell you some news. Yeah, and I bring you some books and whatnot. And he's like, you know, people on Earth think asteroid jail is real cruel and unusual. <laughs> Do you have a better name for it than asteroid jail? No, which, that's the best name for it ever. Which is my new album, by the way. 
I would only expect that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't say it so casually, like, oh yeah, I don't care, an asteroid jail. Like, what the fuck? Life's hard here in asteroid jail. <laughs> The worst part about uh, prison. <laughs> the worst part about asteroid jail was the dementors. <laughs> oh my god! So people, some people on Earth think this is a cruel and unusual punishment, and they're trying to overturn it to put them in Earth prison. Yeah, you know, Earth, actual Earth solitary. Honest, God, no. Which just, means, like, the, the other seven dudes on the asteroids must have, like, really fucked up. I guess, yeah. Really fucked up. Yeah. you're going to stick them up there, and they're going to stay up there. Space Judge sends them up it's there. It's not just some dude who's going to get out on good behavior in two years. Mm. Nope. Well, there is no good behavior because no one can see how you're behaving. Exactly. You could just be a lawless fuck-up out there, and no one would know. Oh, my God. Why is that? Why is he not just a wild man out in the mountains? He's got bad priorities. He's not doing it right. Lonely man haunts a car horn and writes in a journal. That's his fucking day. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it'll take years, just as always, to reverse any kind of policies on punishment and whatnot. And Corey's like, Dude, I don't have years. Like, every fucking day I'm gonna go crazy. Every day is my last day before I just lose it and go be a wild man out in the mountains. He doesn't say that, but, you know. He should be thinking it. He... Well, we thought it for him. We thought it for him. Adams and... I guess Carstairs is the other guy's name, which is a bad name. (laughs) It was in the subtitles. I wouldn't have even known what it was otherwise. He doesn't have any lines. So the two of them are just kind of sitting around, smirking and being crappy. Allenby tells him to go get the supplies out of the ship, and Adams is like, oh, does Corey have a broken leg? Which, hey, no, it's your job to take the supplies off the ship. No. Don't, you can't make a prisoner do it. That's not fair to a prisoner. But we hate... But we... We hate... We hate them. We hate them. <laughs> They're not people. They're not. So Allenby's like, no, Go. And uh, be careful with that super big crate that we have. And so they leave to go get the super big crate. Allenby says, all right, I brought you some books and uh, something else. Wait, wait, nudge, nudge. That it would sure suck if they found out that I brought it up here. So don't tell anybody, don't, you narc. <laughs> don't fucking narc on me. I thought we were cool, man. <laughs> How? How did he get it on the ship? How did he get it? How many people did he bribe to get it on the ship? Yeah. Because, yeah, if the superiors would never... Because anytime you're moving stuff in space, you got to account for weight and the space that it takes up to to figure the amount of fuel Fuel. that you need in order to move stuff. Which he talks about later. Yeah, it comes up later. So, you know, no fucking sweat getting... A giant crate on the ship. Getting this woman-sized crate on the ship the first place. But, no, we can't bring it back. But, you know... Don't worry about that. Did they, like, leave other people's supplies behind? I don't know. Like, one dude is just like, sorry, man, we had to leave your water. And he's like, what? Food. It's like, hey, listen, you skinned 13 people. Like, (laughs) you don't get water. You scalped your mother. You don't get anything. (laughs) 
Space Judge didn't like that graffiti you wrote. <laughs> You're out here for a reason. <laughs> so you don't get any more water. <laughs> By order of Space Judge. Corey, who in his earlier monologue was really grateful to everything that Allenby did, he's like, I don't want any gifts. I want a pardon. And it's like, hey, five minutes ago you were like, oh man, Allenby always brings me such nice stuff. It's so good of him. And it's like, what do you, pick one. No. Either be nice to this man who's no. bringing you contraband or shut the fuck up. And he's like, I'm not a murderer. I killed in self-defense. A lot of people believe me. It was self-defense. I want to know more about this actual fucking crime because no. a lot of people say self-defense. Yeah. And it's, if I've, I've watched enough Law and Order <laughs> to know it ain't always and like that. And you're going to law school soon. And I'm going to law school <laughs> to be space judge. <laughs> I'm not going to hear self-defense as a defense ever. I probably will sometimes, but not in this man's case. He'll be very shrewd. Not in this man's case. He's going to asteroid jail. So says me, the space judge. The ruler of all. I love space judge. You love space judge. You love space jail. You love everything. Yeah. I enjoy this episode. It's, I don't agree with a lot of things that it said, but... I still enjoyed it. And so Alan B's like, hey, it's not easy to come here four times a year and look at your lonely ass. I'm trying to help you keep your sanity. So stop talking to me like this. But then the the crew men are outside and they're holding the big crate, which why don't they have some kind of nope. S- nope. space hand truck nope. or something? But they're like, you want us to open this? Uh, Alan B's like, no, just leave it out there. We're, we're leaving. And so he explains to, to Corey that there's a book in the crate with all the instructions on what he needs. He doesn't say what's in the crate. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you don't have to activate anything. Also, don't open it until after we leave because I didn't tell these two fuckers what's in the crate. (laughs) Can't trust them with shit. Nope. Adam's on Lark on me in a second. (laughs) Because that's the kind of bitch he is. We're already like three steps of mutiny, man. I gotta just make it home. I have to tie them up when we get in there. (laughs) Keep them from throwing my ass out the airlock. So LNB turns to go and Corey kind of yells, shouts out the window at him. He's like, hey, you know, thanks for the decency and whatnot. Treating me like a person. It's real thoughtful. And it's like, there you go. Yeah. Thank this, thank this spaceman for bringing you books and a crate with a woman in it. <laughs> Listen, we're going to reveal that in like two minutes, so it's fine. It is like the worst trope ever. <laughs> it is very bad. They all leave. Corey comes out with some clippers. Clips open the binds on the the crate. Which why does he need? Alright. He needs them for opening crates. I don't know. Mm. He opens it up and we can see it from the point of view. We're inside the crate. Camera's inside the crate looking up at him. Looking at what's in the crate. I looked at him. He looked looked at me. And I looked looked at him. And he He looked looked at me. me. Okay. So he's <laughs> he's just kind of bewildered. He's got a bewildered look on his face, and he's like, "What the hell?" Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then back at the ship, uh, one of the crewmen—I can't tell because they're wearing helmets now. They're um, all the same now. Only Allenby's not because he's tall and skinny. He's tall, skinny, and he has like a mustache. Yeah, that's the only way you can tell him apart from the other two. He's too grown. And he's like, "Hey, man, what was in the crate?" And Allenby saying things that a human being doesn't say. Um, as he puts on his helmet, he goes, 
Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's an illusion. Maybe it's salvation. I just don't know. And it's fucking it pe- people don't talk like that, Rod. That's not good. But they leave, and uh, Corey's there reading the instruction booklet, explaining that he has, you know, you are now the proud owner of a fully functional robot, robot built to look like a woman. For all intents and purposes, she is a woman. Psychologically, physiologically, she's a person who has emotions and memories. And slowly it pans and, over. And a human lifespan. And yes. She won't get sick, but under normal circumstances will live as long as a human being will. Yeah. And her name is Alicia. And the camera pans over and there is a, a woman standing over there. She's real far away from the crate, though, mm-hmm. so I don't know what happened. We didn't see the unboxing process. We saw the beginning of the unboxing video. We don't but know if he just lifted her, if he just kind of dumped her out. If she got out, walked a few feet away, and then just stood there motionless. Yeah, because she kind of seems like she's, like, you know, not, like, a, there's no on switch yet. When she, when you first see her, she's, like, looking down, like. Yeah, she's booting up or whatever yeah. the hell. Uh, my favorite part, when Alan talking about, you know, oh, don't worry about, you know, setting her up. She's already set up. And he's like, don't worry about the atmosphere. Like, the air will take care of that. And I'm like, Alan, the air will take care of what, Alan? She's air activated. That's literally kind of what they made her up to be. Like, don't worry about, like, you know, powering her up. She's vacuum sealed. And she's vacuum sealed and the air will take care of it. Just, just like people, she's air activated. <laughs> it was just so odd to say that. It's like, why didn't she just have a fucking on switch or something? The air will take care of that. The air will take care of that. <laughs> oh, that's to be a good excuse now. Watch it, like, oh, I have to do that. Oh, the air will take care the of it. The air will take care of it. <laughs> <laughs> Alicia raises her head. She looks to Corey and goes, My name's Alicia. My name's Alicia. What's yours? <laughs> and he's like, The fuck what? <laughs> Get out of here. Oh, yeah. You get the fuck out Literally of here. The first word is get out. <laughs> okay, Mr. Get Out. Yeah. I really I really just wanted her to just turn around and just start walking. Yeah, the end of episode. That I would have fucking loved if she just walked away and he'd have to learn a lesson of his words. No. He's responsible for your whatever the fuck he's saying. Yeah. But he's like, I don't no, leave. I don't need a machine. Get the fuck out of here. You're this is not real. Just go. <laughs> You're not real. Get out. <sighs> so in the next scene, she uh, takes a can of water out of the fridge for him. He's standing sullenly over his record player as it plays a little, little swing ditty. And she's like, here, I brought you some water. She's trying real hard to be nice. She blinks a lot, which is definitely a robot thing. Okay, she's windy and fucking Death Valley. I mean, this is inside. Yeah. Inside, she's blinking a lot. Which I think is definitely part of the performance. He's like, go put it on the shelf. She's like, it'll get warm there. And he's like, how do you know? <laughs> you feel thirsty? And yeah. she's like, yeah. Which you don't need to feel thirst to know that water would get warm if you take it out of a fridge and put it on a shelf. But okay. And he's like, well, what, what else do you feel? Feel heat. Do you feel heat? Yeah. You feel cold? Yeah. You feel yeah. hunger? Yeah. You feel pain? Yeah. Yeah. Pain is like a weird one to suddenly ask about. <laughs> it's like, okay, serious. <laughs> I basically. 
And so he's like, well, how do you feel anything? Because you're a machine. He's like, why aren't you built like a machine? Why do you have a face that's a lie? Yeah, he keeps saying a lie a Just lot. everything you're doing is a lie. Oh my god, I just realized, like, this is like, take her swimming on the first date. Oh no! Like, men who believe that makeup is a lie. Oh no! Oh no! Oh gosh. Thanks, I hate it. Thanks, it's the worst. <sighs> men are so bad. <laughs> just be nice to this robot woman. No, just like, you know, the last episode, zest for life. Zest for life. Fucking nope. Love your robot wife. It's not hard. It's not hard, guys. And so as he's just gazing upon her and her face that is a lie, he goes, uh, the longer I look at you, the more I start to believe. And like she puts a hand gently on his cheek and he grabs her wrist real hard Mm -hmm. and like throws it aside and is like, it's a fucking lie. And he leaves the house, storms out. She turns around to follow him, and she's like, Corey, you hurt me. Like, what the hell? You grabbed me, and then you threw my arm away. That hurt. And he's like, I can't fucking hurt you. You're not made out of flesh. And he, like, grabs her upper arm, really manhandling her, because, you know, she's not a person yeah, in he, any way. He says she doesn't have, like, nerve endings or something. Yeah, yeah. There's no muscle or nerve in here. And she's like... She just told you she feels things. Yeah. <laughs> you read that booklet, right? That says that she feels things. <laughs> so he grabs her. He throws her to the ground. From here, the camera angle is close to the ground so we can see her face and him kind of towering over her as he proceeds to rant about how, ah, oh, you're just like this crappy old car, like, but you got arms and legs and whatever. This car doesn't mock me like you do. <laughs> Her, like, whole existence is just an affront to him. And it's like, dude, she didn't do anything. She didn't do anything to you. She gave you some water. <laughs> she looks like a woman. Like, what do you... It's a lot. It's a lot. He... I'm tired of being mocked by the memory of women. The very concept of women is offensive to me. I can't have a real one right now. <laughs> you just reminded me of how fucking lonely I am. And so she turns to him and she's crying because he hurt her and just yelled at her because he's not nice to this robot woman. No, no zest for life. He made the robot cry, which is garbage. And then he's like, fuck. He gets another 50 years in asteroid jail. (laughs) That's true. From the space judge. That's true. Who will not tolerate man-on-robot crime. Yeah. And so then once he sees that she's crying, she's like, I can feel loneliness too. And he kneels down and he's like, ah, Fuck. I hurt this robot's feelings. And so he helps her up and apologizes. So we come back and the two of them are playing chess with Corey's crappy chess set. <laughs> His voiceover explains that she's been with him for 11 months. She she goes and like hides somewhere when the supply dudes come around, right? That's yeah. what has, has to happen. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that makes okay. sense. And then when they come by again, that's what... Okay, yeah. That answers one of my questions about the episode, which was when they come back again later, what the fuck is she doing up on the hill? She's hiding from them. Yeah. Because the other two don't know that she's out there. When we first watched this, I was like, why is she behind a rock? And I was like, oh, yeah, they don't know. Yeah, they can't know about her. Okay, so yeah. It answers one of my questions. Also make Because, you know, spoiler for the rest of the episode, Almy forgets she's there. Yeah. And that's how. Because she hides. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. But so she's a. She's been here for 11 months, and he doesn't know if this is man or machine or man and woman, but uh, he believes that Alicia is just an extension of himself, that, you know, she learned things from him, she mirrors what he feels, and she learned to love the things that he loves, which that last one makes perfect sense, because the things that he loves are the things that are there on the asteroid, like, there's... There's not much else here for her to absorb than the things that are around you. Yeah. So, but okay, make yourself the most important thing in her existence. True. And you know he's not lonely anymore. He's having a good time, loving that Robo GF now. He found zest for life. He found zest for life. Love that robot wife. <laughs> <laughs> the two of them are hanging out. Well, hold on. Hmm? Does his zest for life, love his robo life, take off the 50 years you just gave him for the hate crime, or what? He, it doesn't excuse the fact that he threw her on the ground. Yeah. Like, yeah. No. <laughs> no. 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 This man has a 100-year sentence now. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> well, he's already done three, so you want 53 years to add on to that to give him 100 years? Sure, why not, yeah. Sure. He'll stay there as long as I say. Okay, you're not going to law school anymore because you just proved yourself unbiased. I mean, no, you're biased. Highly biased. You were already biased about space and robot and asteroids, but now... I would get called up by the ethical community. You're absolutely right. I would be immediately disbarred. That's like... Oh, I think it's on Parks and Rec with uh, that Craig character. Billy Eichner. Yes. He helps Tom. Tom... In his, res- sorry. In, his, in his restaurant. Yeah. And Tom, like, puts him in charge for a little bit. And when he's like, and it's only for, like, 20 minutes or half an hour. <laughs> and when Tom takes the position back, he's like, oh, never mind. And his, Billy's character is like, oh, well, it was a good rain while I had it. I don't regret the people I fired. And <laughs> Tom's like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's my stint as space judge. Yeah, as long as you have it. He's like, I don't regret the people I sent to jail. Asteroid jail. I... Fired the the space DA at least three times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Corey and Alicia are hanging out on the mountainside one evening, and they're he's mansplaining the stars to her, talking about mansplaining the stars. Oh my god! <laughs> is, is that not what he was doing? I don't know, he's just running his mouth talking about the stars an awful lot. Were they not true facts, though? They were true facts. (laughs) (laughs) I would have to assume that after a while she knows some stuff about the stars. (laughs) I want a blog called Mansplaining the Stars. I also just thought the phrase Mansplaining the Stars was funny. (laughs) (laughs) Which it was. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, he's like, yeah, that's Beetlejuice. It's over in the <laughs> the constellation Orion. There's wanna, that other one. I want to know how he learned all of these. That's what I thought of in the episode. I mean, people know stuff sometimes. We also know nothing of what he did before the conviction. Which, you know, Rob gives this guy a job. Like, all the other guys, you're not giving jobs to. No. So, he, yeah, I... His job is convicted felon. But he also knew how to put 
put a car together. So it's like, unless you got another little info pamphlet from Allenby of how to build a car. Like, I mean, he had a whole year to just fuck around and I, put the car together. I doubt he was, you know, some kind of actual star guy in real life. Star man. I was going to say that earlier, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so he's, uh, talking about the stars, and Alicia's like, what about that one? And he's like, oh, that's not a star, that's a ship. You dumb robot. <laughs> Don't you know what a ship is? <laughs> you moron. And so she's like, oh, well, the nobody's due back for, for three months, that's what you said last time. And he's like, well, it's gotta be Allenby's ship, he's the only one who comes here. He goes to all the other asteroids, and then he comes here. And he's like, all right, we'll probably see him in the morning. And she's like, oh, well, should we go back to the house then? And Corey just kind of settles in and he's like, no. Love laying on these rocks. Love laying on these rocks with you. Because he's no longer desperate for attention Mm -hmm. from other people. And so the next day we see the the rocket landing shot again. (laughs) And then we see this wide shot of the men running. Full force. Run as fast as they can. Sometimes on fire. Shouting for Corey. Corey! I'm in the Air Force! I'm in the Air Force! Which they kind of are. Oh, yeah. We don't know how they got this missile spaceship job. I mean, that's part of the Air Force, I guess. Is it? In 2046, who the fuck knows? NASA is now also the Air Force. They've taken all control of the sky. Fuck all airspace. It's all NASA. It's all NASA now, bitch. I'm fine with that. Same. And so Corey comes out and he's like, what's up? What do you want? What, uh, hey. You're, this isn't normal, what's up? <laughs> so they're like, hey man, they reviewed all the cases. Guess who just got a pardon? Pardon! And they're like, but we gotta leave in 20 minutes. We gotta go right now, 20 minutes. So, you know, go get your journal and let's go. And he's like, we're super low on fuel and we got guys from stellar asteroids. You can have 15 pounds of junk. And Corey's like, I don't have that much. <laughs> I, all I have is this shirt, which have you been wearing the same shirt for five years? <sighs> Gross. Um, so sweaty. Please change your clothes. <laughs> so he's got the shirt. He's got the journal. And the pencil. He got a pencil and some shoes. And so he's like, all this other stuff can stay. You know, they can leave this car for the next poor devil. And Alan B goes, there's not going to be a next poor devil. Space jail's over. <laughs> he doesn't regret the people he sent in space jail either. <laughs> no. R.I.P. peace, space jail. Corey's like, oh, that's great. Oh, me and Alicia, when we get back to Earth, oh, it's going to be great. We're going to kiss this place goodbye and go to beautiful green Earth. I love Alan B's while Corey's saying this, the camera is on Alan B, and you can pinpoint the second when he's like, oh, oh fuck. fuck. His face just falls. It's very good acting. And Adams is standing behind him, and he's like, who's that? Hey, who is that? He's crazy. <laughs> who's uh, Alicia? He's, a, he's, he's mental. <laughs> and Alan B's like, she's a robot. Oh my god, I brought her here. Oh no. And I was like, oh, that goes in the crazy. <laughs> oh, that was that big crate you wouldn't let us open. And Corey's like, hey, she's a woman. He's like, she's like, no, she's a robot. She's gentle. She's kind. <laughs> she saved my life and she drove me here. And that's all you need from a woman. Woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Woman. He's like, I'm going to bring her back to Earth. She's no drunk. problem. <laughs> 
And LMB's like, no, she's a robot, and she needs to get left behind, because yeah. she can't bring her. She's not real. Corey, like, tries to choke him out, which, you know. <laughs> Honestly. He killed a man. We know he's capable. He's like, don't talk about her like this. Well, he's a, he got convicted for murder. And he just got pardoned for... He, they reviewed his case. They reviewed his case, probably deemed it was self-defense, mm-hmm. and brought him back. But also, they took all the other dudes off the asteroid, so maybe... maybe. Not all of them are innocent. They didn't send a, eight innocent guys into space. <laughs> so they're bringing them back for normal human jail time. Space judge, sometimes... Yeah? Yeah? <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah? Space Judge convicts innocent men. <laughs> Just for the fun of it. Just to send them to asteroid jail. We got all these asteroids and they don't got any people on them. Yeah. Come on. How many cases on my docket today? Seven? Done. Asteroid jail for everybody. Everybody across the board. Yeah. Listen, Space Judge has to fuel that, uh... <laughs> That uh, school jail pipeline. <laughs> that space school space jail pipeline. God. <laughs> oh, that's awful. Um, <laughs> that's terrible. So, Corey and Allenby are just fighting about, you know, is she a robot? Is she a woman? I'm going to bring her. No, you're not. She weighs more than 15 pounds. Corey's like, well, you got to get rid of some equipment. And Allenby's like, no. We already, like, did. Everything's gone. We just got people in there now. We got nothing. There's just loose floating dudes. There's no chairs even. Yeah. We can't do it. And so he's like, well, I... No. So he runs off to to go find her and they're chasing him. Because, you know, we gotta gotta leave, gotta leave, gotta leave. He skids into the house. He's shouting her name, but she's not there. The crew try to grab him, but he busts out, shoves one aside. And he uh, starts running up that hill where he, he finds her sitting in the dust because she's been hiding. And the three times I watched this episode, I didn't realize that that was actually what was going on. Was yeah, that she yeah. was well, hiding from them. Yeah, at first I was like, wait, is she just, does she need to sleep? And I'm like, no, that's a robot. And I was like, oh. I mean, maybe she needs to sleep. Uh, but yeah, but still, she's behind like a slightly raised rock. And I'm like, she's just, she's hiding. Yeah, <laughs> she's hiding from them because she's not supposed to be there. And Corey's like, tell him, show him, talk to him, prove that you're a, a human being. And she's just kind of, she's looking at him. She's like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, she doesn't say anything. She doesn't say, well, processing? Yeah. Question mark? She got, you know, that buffering circle on her face. Literally. <laughs> and uh, Allenby immediately takes out his gun. He's like, I don't have a choice here. <laughs> and Corey's like, no, 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 no. And he grabs Allenby's arm right as he shoots him. And Alicia collapses repeating Corey's name until her voice fades away and the camera slowly pans up her body until we get to her face which is where she got shot yeah and psych it's full of servos and electric shit yo and something sparks and pops and it's I think it's good uh makeup work yeah cause they definitely just put something over her face and then put some electrics on it doesn't look bad we can see Corey kinda snaps back he's like oh yeah That's... Oh, you're right. He is still sad, though. Yeah, he's sad about it, for but sure. But he does kind of snap him back. But he's like, oh, no, yeah. That... Mm. Robot. Robot. And so, 
Alan B's like, all right, it's time to leave. <laughs> it's time to go home. This is all behind you, like a bad dream, and when you wake up, you'll be back on Earth. And all you're leaving behind is loneliness. Loneliness, loneliness, loneliness. <laughs> and Cora goes, yes, I must remember that, which is also not how people talk. <laughs> I must remember to keep that in mind, not how people talk. <laughs> and uh, they all walk off, get on the, the ship and go. And in our closing narration, we think about a speck of a man's life left behind here with the machines that he used, which will be worn away under the wind and the sun and the sand. sand. Even the one that he loved. But now they're all obsolete in the Twilight Zone. Boom. Bang. Bada boom. Bada bing, bang, bing, bang, boom. So did you like this episode? Yeah, it was alright. Alright. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, definitely wasn't expecting some of it. Yeah. I... When they come to get him and they tell him he's got the pardon, I saw, like, a couple different ways that it would go. Yeah. Where either they choose to leave him there. I thought he would want to leave, stay there. Yeah. Either he chooses to stay. Yeah. And dies because his supplies run out and no one comes back to give him anything. Mm-hmm. Or they forcibly take him and she's still there mm-hmm. and she has to live out her life mm-hmm. as a robot. Yeah. But, you know, also die just slowly. Yeah. Because she has a regular human life expectancy. Yeah. I did not expect her to get shot in the face. Yeah, me either. That was the big thing I didn't expect. So yeah. Just doesn't even hesitate. Like, no, I have to shoot her. Boom. <laughs> like, oh. Like, no, you could just drag him away. Nope. She doesn't seem to put up a fight or want to put up a fight to taking him she away. I don't think she knows how to put up a fight. Uh, yeah. She doesn't know how. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she sure didn't. She got tossed around that first couple minutes she was out of the box. Yeah. I, uh, I like this episode. Yeah. Wasn't bad. Yeah. It's, um... I think it's really interesting to watch this now after we've had a lot of other science fiction that kind of explores, you know, is she a robot, is she a woman? Mm-hmm. Like, we're living in post-Blade Runner sci-fi, yeah. where that was a big, big part of sci-fi. Yeah. Still is. Yeah. It's, it's a question we keep trotting is, are robots people? And, like, the thing is, she is a robot, but that should afford her the same rights as a human being because she was designed as a human being. That's just like... I, I, like, she's got the right to live, just like anybody else. You haven't watched it, but that's basically... Well, it hasn't aired yet either, but that's basically season two to be Westworld. Oh. Is, you know, hey, we have rights. Yeah. So we're gonna murder everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> have the rights, so we're down to murder. Yeah. I'm excited. There you go. They already killed a bunch of people, so <laughs> that was their thing that they wouldn't. They were not physically able to. I don't know really how that worked. Not physically able to murder or even harm the guests. Yeah, I mean that's. But the guests could harm them. Yep. And then you know at the end of spoiler season one, that gets turned off. Mm. <laughs> I mean, you know that's one of the, that's Asimov's first law of yeah. robotics is you're not allowed to hurt a human being. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's. It's interesting to see, like, one of the... An early version of... Little baby sci-fis. Of the question of are they a human, are they a robot? Good episode. Yeah. Would you like to hear what we're watching next week? I would. All right. Next week we'll be watching episode eight. Yeah. Sorry, you don't like eights. (laughs) Uh, Time Enough at Last, in which a bank teller 
yearning for more time to read, gets his wish when he becomes the sole survivor of a nuclear holocaust. Nice. Yep. Same. <laughs> oh, boy. I just want to read a lot, so can y'all just die? Can, can yeah. you all... Can hey, you drop dead so I can finish oh, reading this book. Then he's gonna, you know, he'll like it at first, but then, you know... Oh shit, everyone's dead and I'm lonely. I have no one to talk to. He's gonna monologue himself just like every other guy. I've seen this before and this is oh, okay. a, a classic one. He doesn't monologue himself too much, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Oh, I also remember something else about episode 7 here. Yes. Um, I found it on a couple of top 10 lists, and yeah. I think it deserves to be there, unlike yeah. our boy walking <laughs> distance. Uh. <laughs> R.I.P. and Peace Walking Distance. That walking distance? Yeah. Is that Homewood? Yeah, that was Homewood. Is it walking distance? Is it walking distance? Is it? Is it? It's a mile and a half away. How long is it? That's walking distance. Is it a mile and a half away? I can walk that. No, no, no. (laughs) We're just going to get caught in this fucking loop and we've been doing this for too long. I'm done talking now. God. So next time we'll be watching one about the man who wants to read and then He's everybody dies. I run this show myself. I sent it to you to Asteroid Jail. That's fine. I can read. All right. <laughs> you, re- you read, I'll run my podcast by myself. <laughs> now you'll visit every three months for supplies and then we'll do one podcast every time. Uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, we're uh, adjusting our production schedule a little bit. Once every three months. Sorry. Please bear with us. If you would like to tell us you don't want us to adjust our <laughs> production schedule to being every three months, um, you can tweet at us at the Spooky Spot on Twitter, or send an email to SpookySpotPod at gmail dot com. Or if you want to tell us the right way to say robot, because it's robot, and this episode thinks it's robot. Robot. You can tell us that. <laughs> Absolutely true. Do you think robots are people? Tell us if you do. Have you seen Westworld? Have you seen Westworld? You want to talk about Westworld? Uh, do you like Asimov? Yeah. There's a you, lot to talk about. You want to talk about Blade Runner? Oh, I'll talk about Blade Runner. You, you right on in. Hundo percent. I will talk about Blade Runner. We eagerly welcome your hashtag engagement. If you would like to hear me talk more about... Actually, no, there are a lot of robots in Lupin the Third. Um, <laughs> well, screw yourself there, didn't you? It's true. If you want to hear me talk about an old 70s anime... Uh, that happens to have a lot of robots. That happens to have a lot of robots, just completely incomprehensibly, and a lot of other garbage. Um, <laughs> you can find me on the podcast Lupin Lottery, which comes out every Thursday, that I do with two of my friends. The narration at the beginning of our episodes is done by my friend Tamara, you can find her on Tumblr and Twitter at Total Spiffage. And I think that's everything for us. Yeah. So until next time, stay spooky. We all live in our own prisons, Brendan. Yeah. I mean, we're all trapped in these bodies. Yeah. You have to go to school, that's, that's a prison. That's a prison. I have to be a soccer it's coach. It's a prison. It's a conversation. It's a prison. It's a prison. Can't get out of it.